name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, my beloved, is the first Sunday of the Coptic year and the blessed month of Tut. And as we heard from the Gospel of today, this was um, when the uh, the Lord was blessing John the Baptist, saying that there was no one greater than him, born of women. And in the beginning of the year, of the Coptic year, the church is focusing on showing us the love of the Father. And the first part of showing us the love of the Father was giving us the gospel message, the gospel of salvation, the good news. And it shows in the very beginning here that some people, when they received the good news, they rejected it. And if you paid attention, the Lord gave them an example that they all understood. He told them when that you are like the children in the marketplace calling to one another, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance or you didn't rejoice. We mourned and you didn't mourn as well. So his expected response was when we play the flute that you should respond with joy. When we... um, uh, when we mourn, that you also weep. But they didn't weep. And then he says, well, John the Baptist came to you like in sackcloth and ashes, and you rejected him. And then I came to you, like speaking and drinking and eating with you, and you called me somebody like who was drunk. So this shows their blatant rejection. Regardless, there was still this rejection. This is why the Lord here, he tells them, he says, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves. What was the will of God for them? Was for them to receive and hear the message of salvation and be saved. But they rejected it. Today and perhaps next week, I want to speak about this idea of the will of God. What is the will of God? Can we understand the will of God? And then how do we engage with the will of God? Of course, it's easy to engage with the will of God when things are going well. When we pray and He gives us what we ask, everything is easy. But sometimes when there are difficult situations, engaging with the will of God or accepting the will of God becomes a bit more challenging. So today we'll just uh, speak a bit of an introduction about what is the will of God um, and what can be our understanding of it. The first thing we have to understand is that the God's will or the will of God is something that is very difficult to understand because we're human. And He's, of course, limitless and we're limited. Listen to what Scripture says in two, in two passages. St. Paul says to the Romans, Oh, the depths and the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. So His ways are unsearchable and His judgments are so trying to figure out a pattern, for example, of God's judgment would be impossible for us. Um, and then he says, For who has known the mind of the Lord and who can become his counselor? So who can say that I'm God, it's God's counselor? Sometimes we do say that to ourselves. We say to ourselves, Or God should have done so and so. As if we are his counselor. But scripture is telling us to know the mind of God is impossible for us. So sometimes to know why the Lord did some things in our life and the people around us lives is difficult for us to understand. Also St. Paul says to Timothy, for he says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God, 
of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you want to ask what is God's will, in the end it's this, that we all come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. So if we keep this as the overarching understanding of God's will is our salvation. Regardless if it comes from the left side, from the right side, the bottom line is our salvation. There are circumstances in our life, my beloved, that leave us perplexed, confused, and sometimes asking, how is it that God could do this? It might be a little bit sensitive, forgive me if I if I am, um, but sometimes there be in, injustices in life that we look out and we question God. Perhaps you find somebody who is a very godly person, and she fears God and loves God and searches always to do his uh, to do His will. She finds a young man who seems to be very and godly on the outside, and she falls for him and they get married. And then later on, she finds out. And he, he's like a devil's child. God forbid. Right? We might look at this and we see this woman suffering. It could go vice versa. And it could go either way. And, and we might see this woman suffering and say, what did she do? What did she do wrong? She has a good family. She loves you. She's very successful. And we say, what happened to her? And we look and we look at this and perplex. Many injustices in the world. There are also difficult circumstances. There might be a man who's 90 plus years old who had a stroke and is bedridden and he needs like a whole crew. His family is suffering with him to just to turn him, to keep him alive and all of these things. And he's exhausted all of the finances of the whole house. And you look and say, wouldn't it be easier for him if God would just remember him? But God, and he extended his life. Then you'll find somebody who is 40 years old, with completely healthy, and just dies like that from a heart attack, leaving a wife and two young children. You look at this and say, Why? So there are many difficulties in life that beg this question. What is God's will? Why does God do this? Sometimes when we meet the will of God, there are several opinions by how we deal with the will of God. Some people believe that God um, enters every aspect of our life. God has everything to do with every aspect of our life. As if He has a plan for me, and no matter what I do, this is going to be. Even down to anything. Like Some people will say, yeah, I thank God I was able to find my size of this shoe. What does God have to do with the size? Or somebody might say, yeah, God blessed me and I was able to find this dress for me to wear for the Eid. For every little thing in my life has to do with God has arranged it. From what the shoes that I wear to the dress that I wear. Right? This is one aspect. Some people look and say, well, God has nothing to do with my life. He's up there and I'm down here and He set the system going and has nothing to do with my life. It's another yani, opinion. A third opinion is that God sees every aspect of my life and sometimes enters into it. And God is watching every aspect of my life, but sometimes enters into my life, you know, to help me here and there and guide me. Um, 
Regarding the, the truth, yani, so before we deal with how we deal with the will of God, there are three things we need to know about the will of God. And I'll just mention them briefly now and then we'll finish uh, next week. Number one is that God enters our life only as much as we permit Him. God's involvement in your life and in my life is only as much as we permit Him to be in our life. It's almost like, you know, if we're all in this dark room, right? We can be in this dark room and we can open up a little peephole. You know, a little peephole in the door? We can open up that little peephole and if it's really sunny outside, we might get a little bit of light in this dark room, right? Or we can be in this dark room and we can open up a small window. And this window will let in some light and light up the room respectively. Or we can open up the door and the light will shine in all of the room and the whole room will be bright. How much we open this door will be how much the room is lit. How much we allow God into our life will be how much He enlightens our life. He will never force Himself in. And the Song of Songs is a beautiful verse that expresses God's desire to enter into our room, into our life and into our heart. She said, He says, Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. So He says, Open to me. And also in Revelations, the one we know, where it says, The Lord stands at the door and knocks. Right? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. So he stands at the door and knock. He will never push down the door. He will never force himself in. But he will always stand knocking, waiting for us to invite him in. Some people might even just open the door to see him, but not invite him in. I'd like to know about you, how you look, what you like, and everything you do, but don't come in. I like you over there. However much we allow him to come in is how much he will be involved in one's life. It's kind of like the relationship we have with our father of confession. Some people, they have a a relationship with their father of of confession that's very formal. They come in, they have their list. Abuna, I lied, I cheated, I did this, I did this, I did this, absolve me. And Abuna gets up and he reads him the absolution and he's forgiven. Can we say, did he confess? He confessed. Did he receive absolution? He received absolution. He was absolved? Yes, he was absolved. But that's it. You have another person who comes in wanting to be discipled and he says, I did so and so and so. And he waits for guidance. He waits for a word. Is God going to send me a message about this thing that I'm troubled about or not today? And when there's nothing, he moves on. He's there wanting to soak up from his father of confession and to be discipled by him. It's not just a systematic thing, right? Again, as much as I put into the relationship is what I will get out of it. Some people, when they come, they come to their father of confession and they ask their opinion or guidance about a certain subject in their life. Abuna, this is kind of the circumstance of my life. I'm having a bit of trouble. So Abuna becomes very involved in their life. Not dependent, for sure. We shouldn't be this way. But involved in them. There's a relationship. Again, as much as we invest in the relationship is what we get out of the relationship. The same goes with God. If you think about our father Abraham, Abraham opened the door to God and his life by just simply obeying him. He says, leave your father and your family and come to a place that I will show you. 
Abraham says, okay, I will go with you. Leaving everyone and everything and going with him. What is he doing? He's saying, God, I want to enter, I want you to enter into my life and I want to enter into your world. I just don't know where I'm going and lead me. And he goes and he lives with him. <clears throat> and even you'll find because he did this, that even when Abraham made a mistake once and twice, God covered for him. Do you remember when uh, Moses or Abraham, sorry, went to uh, Pharaoh? Right? And then Pharaoh said, who's this nice young lady? And he said, oh, it's my sister. And he did the same mistake with Abimelech again. What happened? You'll find very something very interesting in the story. That God appeared to Abimelech and to Pharaoh and told them, don't touch this lady. She's this man's wife. Give her back. And he threatened them. If you touch her, I will kill you. But who made the mistake? It was Abraham who made the mistake and kind of told the half-truth. He should have said, no, this is my wife. But look what happens when they have this kind of relationship. God is not waiting for the one mistake and says, no. But he, he forgave him and actually covered for him. God enters our life, my beloved, as much as we permit him to. The second truth is that God warns us of sin, but is not responsible for our choices. رَبِّنَا بِحَزَّرْنَا مِنَ الْخَتَيَّةِ بَسْ مِشْ مَسْؤُولَ الْخَتَيَّةِ فَحَيَاتْنَا Right? Very important for us to understand. In the book of Deuteronomy, God said to them, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Some people say, why doesn't God just force me to do good if I'm willing? I can say that, you know what? I want to do everything good. Force me to do everything good. He doesn't do that way. Because he respects your will. He respects your freedom of choice. He will never force you nor make you obey him. But he wants you to do this by your own will and own power. Just as he did with our father and mother Adam and Eve, he wants us to do as well. To obey by our own will. And because he loves us so much, he will not take control and force us to do anything. Al-Fikra, on the contrary, Shaitan, you know, the Satan, if he's given the opportunity, he will want to control us. To control us better and lead us to perdition. But you see, the exact opposite. God is the exact opposite. God respects our will and Satan wants to rob us of our will. God wants to give us freedom and Satan wants to entrap us and keep us trapped. We see this in the person of Cain. Cain, when he got really upset that his brother Abel's sacrifice was accepted, his anger was enraged. Perhaps it maybe should have been directed towards God, but it was directed towards his brother Abel because that's who was in front of him. And he's the one that offered the good sacrifice. And rather than going and seeing whatever sacrifice God was accepted with, he became angry and enraged. But then a God appeared to him and he told him, Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So he warns him. He tells him, why are you angry? If you don't do something well, will I not accept you? God's saying to him, I'm not mad at you because you offered the wrong sacrifice. I just want you to offer the right sacrifice. And if you offer it, I'll accept you. And I'll accept it. But if you don't, and you continue in your your 
rebellion and your desire to reject me, I will leave your life and you will live as a vagabond after you killed your brother. But he decided and he continued and says, you know what? No, I'm going to reject the will of God in my life. And he went and he killed his brother and lived as a nomad because of this. God warns us of sin, my beloved, but is never responsible for our choices. Even if, like some people will, again, if we go to the example of marriage, a person might be interested in someone, and they've fallen in love, and everything is, this is who I want to marry, and they're still really young. And Abuna tells them, Habibi, I don't think this is the right time, you should wait. No, I know this is the one, and their parents say, Habibi, this isn't the right person now, wait. It's too early. And they says, no, I can't imagine myself with anybody else. And despite all this, they go and get married. They live happily ever after for a year or two years. And then ba'al-ma'lab al-soda. Right? Al-ma'lab al-soda. We know. And then we say, what happened? La ya Rabb, why did you do this to me? Allah. Oh, did God do this or did I do this to myself? I'm the one that made the decision. People that say this are like of the first sort that I was saying. They think God is in control of every aspect of our life. So he must have allowed me to get married. And he must have allowed her or him to be a person that I wasn't, you know, I didn't like. So now at the end we blame God. This doesn't work like that, right? We are responsible for our sins. God warns us and sends us many signs if we want to hear. But then when we choose to do the wrong thing, we can't blame God, my beloved. The last truth is that at times God will intervene for our salvation. Especially if he sees the sincerity of the heart. And the thing is that God sees every one of us and sees our intentions and sees our heart. And if he sees it's fitting to intervene in our life for our salvation, he will do it. And sometimes he'll do it in such a miraculous way. We read today the story of Moses. We think about this young child's life from being a baby. God saw in this child potential. And he said, you know what, all of the Hebrew children, I want this one to live. And how about does he live? His parents had the courage to hide the child. And they put him in this basket, this ark. And they put him like among the, the reeds and the water and stayed back and watched. Again with faith. They had no idea what would happen, but they just knew that this child was God's child. And this is all I can do. If God wants to take him, he'll take him. If he wants to preserve him, he'll preserve him. Then lo and behold, Pharaoh's daughter somehow finds him, likes the, likes the child, is, you know, cute and curly and everything, and says, can we keep the child? And Pharaoh says, okay, you can keep the child. And how are you going to feed the child? She didn't give birth. She's not ready to feed him. Go get any one of the servants to, yeah, and you feed them. And it turns out, by the arrangement of God, that the one they choose is who? His own mother. So he's eating the right, drinking uh, the right milk from his mother, nourished and comforted by the woman who bore him and is taught the faith by the woman who had faith in God to spare this child. Sometimes God intervenes in our life in a miraculous way. We see the same thing with Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle didn't persecute the Christians because he hated them. He thought he was doing God a favor. So he was persecuting the Christians. So when God appeared to him and says, why are you persecuting me? And he realized that this was God, he turned 180 degrees. Because his motive wasn't hatred. 
His motive was, I was doing this as an akhtam rabbina. I was doing this as a service to God. At least that's what he understood. God will reach my beloved anyone who is concerned with his or her own salvation. And I'm sure you've seen this and I've seen this many times. People that are not of our faith and not of any faith, but if they're concerned about their salvation, God will find a way to bring them to the true faith. Because they're concerned, they desire, they have this will to be interested in their salvation. When we look at how God determines what to do, when to do, and how, it's very difficult to understand. But I can liken it like a mother and her child. And I'll close with this. It's exactly like a mother trying to teach her child how to walk. Right In the beginning, she holds the child. But when the child is of age and has a little strength, we want to teach them how to walk. Because if the mother holds them all the time, he will never learn how to walk. Even when he gets older, he will just be able to sit there. So she must teach him how to walk. So how does he teach him? How does she teach him how to walk? The first, she puts him down, puts, props him up on his feet, and holds his hand. Right? And as he's walking, she's walking next to him, and most likely holding half of his body weight up. Right? And then he begins to put one foot in front of the other. Then as he begins to show this strength in his feet, what does she do? She lets go a little bit. Right? And he takes a step, two, and then right when he's about to fall, what does she do? She grabs him and she pulls him up. So first she held his hand, then she let him go, then she allowed him to walk a little, and as he was going to fall, she lifted him up. Then what would happen after that? After he starts walking a little, she let him go, and then she'll let him fall. Let him experience his failure. And when he experiences failure and looks up, does she just yank him up and say, I'm here to save you, Habibi? Maybe in the beginning. But if she's a wise mother, she'll stand back and say, no, Habibi, try to get up yourself. Hold the, hold the chair. Hold the couch. And she'll show him. And then he'll try to pull himself up. And when he pulls himself up, she's happy and what? And he's happy. Sometimes this is how God does with us. And when and how he does it, the child has no idea mama's plan. But the end, he comes out knowing how to walk. And he's happy about it. The same with you and I. When we go through life and we ask God that his will be active in my life, and we fall and get up, we go through hardships, and sometimes these hardships can last a lifetime. But at the end, we know what? That he will be happy, and we will be happy if we continue. To God be the glory forever. Amen.